Good evening. I trust your Easter Sunday has gone well so far. Tonight, I want to bring you some good news from God's Word. I know our world is filled with a lot of negativity and just bad news lately. And so tonight, I want to pour some good news from God's Word into your cup and hopefully be a blessing and an encouragement to you. So find a Bible and open to the book of Romans and look at chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 31, and we'll read until the end of the chapter. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says in verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an encouraging note. What an encouraging passage from the Apostle Paul. Let's take a moment and pray. Ask God to use his word to teach us this evening. And then I want to show you just three traits of our God from this passage that we just read. Our Father, it's a great honor to be able to pray. It's a great privilege to be able to read your word. We thank you for giving it to us. We thank you, Lord, that you use it to help us, to encourage us, to teach us, to instruct us, to admonish us, to rebuke us. Lord, tonight I pray that you would take it and encourage your people. I pray that you would do a work in each of our hearts, help us to understand what you'd have for us today. I pray you'd help me to, to speak clearly, to communicate well. And God, I pray that you'd do a work in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first trait that I want to look at of our God is that there is no limit to God's power. There's no limit to God's power. If you're looking for some hope in this world, Christian, then you have to look no further than Romans 8:31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you ever feel like everyone is against you? Kids, maybe you feel like mom and dad are never taking your side. Maybe your employer is always siding against you, thinking the worst about you. And do you ever wish maybe just once somebody would be on your side? 
If God be for us, who can be against us? And God is for us. That's not to say that nothing or no one will ever oppose us in life. We certainly know that not to be the case, but rather there is no enemy that will oppose us that is any match for the power of our God. The most powerful enemy on the planet is no match for God's power. He can stop the forces of evil with a spoken word. In this portion of scripture that we just read, Paul is referencing back to some more good news earlier in the chapter. I think it would be helpful if we looked at that. Back in verse number 1 of chapter 8, he writes, there is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You may condemn yourself, others may condemn you. Satan will certainly condemn you, but there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. In verses 9 through 16, Paul writes about the Holy Spirit of God adopting us and indwelling us. It's very good news. In verse 17, he says that now we're children of God and not just children of God, but we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Imagine being an heir to the one who created the entire universe. In verse 18 and following, Paul acknowledges that in this world where we live, we will encounter tribulation, difficulties. Suffering will take place, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time But he contrasts that with the fact that we have an eternal hope in glory. And that all brings us to verse number 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God works everything for good for a purpose. And and we see the purpose in the next verse. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God works everything together for a purpose. We don't always understand the purpose on earth, but we see the purpose here. So if we lose a job, his purpose is not just that we'll get a better job, although we may. If we lose money in the stock market, his purpose is not for our good that we will somehow regain and have more money in the end, although that may happen. He might do that. But the good that he's talking about here is being conformed to the image of his dear son. That's the good, and there's no better good than that. God has the power to conform you. No matter what you may see when you look in the mirror tonight, God has the power to conform you into the image of his dear son. And Christian, the good news is he is working on you. He is performing something in you. He is conforming you to the image of his son. His power goes beyond just saving you and justifying you. I like how the prophet Isaiah describes justification. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson... They shall be as wool. God saves us, forgives us, justifies us. He continues with conforming us, making us just like Jesus, and it ends in glorification. Let's read that verse again, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. God has the power to complete his work. For every child of God, our eternal destiny is not here. It's not in the ground. We have a home prepared for us with our Savior. Are there times of sadness and sorrow on the earth? Yes, there are, and there will be continuing, continuing sadness and sorrow. Do, 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 do Christians mourn the loss of loved ones? Yes, and that will continue. Do we, do we mourn the loss of children, the loss of money, the loss of jobs, employment? Yes, yes we do. But there is great joy in grasping the fact that this life is not all there is. There is much more prepared for us. There is something greater that awaits us, and it's secured by the limitless power of our God. There is no limit to God's power. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, Peter talks about an incorruptible inheritance that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I love that verse. There's an inheritance that's reserved for you. It's got your name on it. If you're a child of God, if you're adopted into the family of God, there is an eternal, incorruptible inheritance reserved and held and kept by the power of God. You can count on it. You are an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. No power on this earth can take it away. No economic downturn can take away your inheritance. No drop in the stock market. No thief can come in and steal it away from you. It's kept by the limitless power of God. That's incredible, isn't it? There's no limit to God's power. He has the power to control everything that exists because he owns everything. But secondly... There's no limit to God's generosity. We've all known people who have had the power to give and yet refused to give. We've all known people who are powerful and yet not generous at all. One of the great things that's come out of this COVID-19 sickness pandemic is the generosity that we've seen from so many people. I remember watching uh, what would be the last NBA played game played against uh, was the Dallas Mavericks were playing the Denver Nuggets. And at the time, things were just happening so fast. And they were interviewing the Ma Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, and he'd just gotten news through his cell phone or something about the NBA potentially closing. And he, and he said right there and right then, if we have to stop playing games, my employees, the employees of this arena, those that sell hot dogs and food and things, they'll keep getting paid. And over the next couple of days, other owners started doing the same thing, and players began donating millions of dollars, trying to keep people afloat. And we just saw great generosity like we don't always see. And some people may be thinking, well, they're just millionaires. If I had that kind of money, I would be generous with it as well. But the truth is, the truth is, there are a lot of very wealthy people who are not generous at all. We've known people who had the power to give and yet did not give as they were able to give. In fact, if most of us were honest today, the fact that you're watching this on some device, maybe a cell phone or a tablet or a computer or a television, many miles away from where it's being spoken, 
perhaps even hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away from where this is being preached, you're able to watch that. That's proof that even us are very well off. The majority of this world is not wealthy enough to own a device that they could stream this message. We're wealthy people. We're rich. And yet we're quite often not as generous as we could be. Power doesn't automatically equal generosity, but our God is a generous God. Look in verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely, abundantly, liberally. God's hands are are wide open to his people. He will freely give us all things things. He doesn't give us the leftovers. He doesn't give us the things that he doesn't want. He doesn't give us what has no value or little value. In fact, he spared not his own son. Sometimes I'll pass things along that I maybe don't want anymore. If I have a, a shirt that I just don't wear anymore, it doesn't fit me right anymore, I'll, I'll tell Laura, why don't you see if you can give this to somebody? But it's rare that I'll take my favorite shirt or my favorite shoes and say, why don't you give this to somebody? But God didn't give the leftovers. God didn't give the things that he didn't care about. God freely gives all things. There's no limit to his power. There's no limit to his generosity. But there's also no limit to his love. Look again in verse 31, if you would. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Immediately after the reassurance in verse 31 that if God is for us, then it doesn't really matter who's against us, he assures us that there's no limit to his love. He didn't hold anything back. He gave his very own son. Is there any greater display of love than that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God delivered up his own son for all. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Not for a few, not for the extraordinarily wealthy, not for the gifted, not for the talented, not for the wealthy, not for the righteous. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. That includes me, that includes you, that includes your neighbor, that includes your coworker. The most unlovable among us is included in this. He delivered him up, his own son, for all of us. What love. So what about when condemnation comes? What about when we're told that God doesn't love us? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He wants us to believe that God does not love us, that God cannot love us, that God has stopped loving us, that you'll never measure up, that you'll never be good enough for God, that your addiction is too much and God can never love you because of your sin, because of your failings. Verse 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? 
Now, Paul knew who the accuser was. Paul understood the accuser. His point is, compared to God, who is this accuser? Compared to the one who is on our side, who is this accuser? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Paul's point is that the one who came and died and three days later raised from the dead, the, the one that was dead and now is alive is now interceding for us on our behalf in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? The one who intercedes for us was dead and is alive. That's what we celebrate today. Satan cannot separate you from God's love, though he will try. What about circumstances? Can life's struggles and difficulties separate us from the love of God? That's the question beginning in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. These people were going through it. They were facing trials unlike we've ever seen, unimaginable persecution. The book of Acts records for us what it was like for a Christ follower in the first century. We think we're suffering because we have to wait in line before going into the grocery store or because we can't find hand sanitizer on the shelf. And even during these times, people are questioning God. Does God really love me? What is it? What have I done? Is there, have I done something to make God mad at me? Is that why I'm, I'm suffering in this way? Why did the person that I love have to get sick? Why did I have to get sick? Why did I have to lose my job? The recipients of this letter were facing persecution on every side. Surely there were times of doubt, questions. God, why me? Why are you allowing us this to happen to us? We're trying to serve you. We're trying to follow you. We, we love you. God, do you not love us anymore? Has, has all of this put a gap between your love and us? And Paul answers the question in verse number 37. Nay, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. These things, no matter how severe they may appear to be, are nothing compared to God's love. We are more than conquerors, not by willpower or intellectual prowess, but through Christ Jesus, through him that loved us, we are more than conquerors. And just in case Paul left anything off, he concludes this way, beginning in verse number 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm persuaded. Life, death, angels, principalities, things enlist this life. Things in this world, things not from this world, things above, things below, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God loves you. And there's nothing in this world or outside of this world that can separate you from God's love. Paul said, I am persuaded. I'm convinced. For Paul, it was a sure thing. 
So let me ask you, are you persuaded? Are you convinced? Is it settled in your mind that nothing can separate you from God's love? No trials, no testings in this life, no human being, no condemnations from within you or outside of you, nothing. Are you fully persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God? He loves you just as much today as he did when he died for you. He loves you as much today as he did when he saved you. He, loved you as, he loves you as much today as he did at the very best day of your life. God's love is unchanging. No matter how bad life may get, circumstances may get, God's love is unaffected. No matter how fast and how strong the enemy's accusations fly against you, God's love is unchanged. His love will never run out. He spared not his own son. God said in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. The love that God has for you, the love of God has for me, it's everlasting. It has no end. It goes on forever, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can get in the way. Nothing can, can cut it off. Nothing can come between our God and his love for us. I'm thankful for the power of God, aren't you? I'm thankful that with a spoken word, this world came into existence. I'm thankful that he had the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm thankful that he saves us. He has the power to keep us and to one day present us faultless before him in glory. But he isn't just powerful. I'm thankful that he's also generous. He doesn't hold back from his children. In his teaching in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, God feeds the ravens, the birds. How much more are ye better than the fowls? God clothes the lilies, he said. And are ye not much better than these lilies, the grass of the field? God is generous. He's a generous God, and I'm so thankful for his generosity. But even more than these, I'm eternally grateful for the limitless love of God. It's not a love that's temporary. It's not a love that's based on behavior. It's not a love that's based on God's mood any particular day. It's a love that has no limit and it's eternal. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Sometimes events in life pull people apart. Problems of life can separate families. They can Cease to love one another. Wedges are driven in between family members and friends. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is good news. I hope that you're persuaded tonight. I hope that you are convinced. 
I hope that your mind is set that no matter what may come against you in this life, what may come against your family, what voices in your head or voices from around you might say to you, I hope that you'll be fully persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Let's pray. Oh God, we're so grateful for your love for us. That you could have such power and yet still love us. That you could be so great and, and, and still look on the lowly such as I. We're grateful for your generosity that you freely give all things. Anything we, we need, we know that we can rely on you for. Thank you for sending your own son and giving him freely for every single one of us. God, tonight, I just pray for the listener who may not know you. Oh, God, today, would they understand their condition? Would they understand their need for a Savior and need to be adopted into the family of God? Lord, help us to be grateful for your love and to learn to love like you love. In Jesus' name, amen.